You are welcome to the podcast of Dominion Chapel International, the special place. We are a church that believes in pure worship, unadulterated word, and family. Be enlightened as you listen to this message. Today is Sabbath day. Is it Sabbath? Is it Sabbath? Is the day unto the Lord? It's unto the Lord. It's unto is unto my goodness. Glory to God. The day is unto the Lord. Celebrate the Lord. Celebrate the Lord. What a day. Amen. Praise God. How many of you know that when God wants to do things amongst men, you use men? That God will never do a thing amongst men without a man. How many of you understand that men are carriers of graces? Oh, glory. Praise God. Amen and amen. I was told of a great man of God who had bought a big land, a very massive land, but there was disputes on the land. So he invited a general know, a father figure in the faith for a program. And actually, the focus for the invite was not the program. He knew that if that man steps on the land and just decree a word, every battle will cease. So what they have been praying for, for months, the man came to that land, looked at the land and said, peace. That was the end. It is wisdom to realize that there are people that carry things because of the sacrifice they've made in their work with God. And when you meet such people, uh, it's like a catalyst. It moves you from where you are to where you ought to be with little or no effort. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. I, I heard a testimony of, um, of another wonderful man of God. We call him, you know, one of the fathers of the faith when it comes to faith preaching. And two weeks before he traveled, his spiritual father just visited him. He said, I had a burden to pray for you. And the father came and decreed some words over him and then left. Two weeks later, he almost had a plane crash. Then the Lord reminded him, that's why I sent your father to you. Uh-huh. So the one that be, come back, come back. Peace, be still. And then things are working. All right, so today is the final day of the conference. It's been an awesome time. Let's celebrate Jesus for that. It's been an awesome, awesome, awesome time. Amen. God has been moving in our midst mightily. There's been mighty transformations in our lives. How many of you sense that transformation in your life? Glory to God. Hallelujah. And, and by God's grace, yesterday we had our very own prophet Adam being a blessing to us yesterday. It was such an amazing time in God's word. Hallelujah. And, and uh, uh, one thing that I know you took home is bleeding the blood. Hallelujah. How many of you have been pleading the blood since? We plead the blood. Come on. Glory to God. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. So anything not so, you plead the blood. And you are qualified that because the seal of God's life is on you. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You can see all the maids are linked. Right from bishops all like that. There's greatness embedded in us. It calls for sacrifice. Are you with me? And then we come like that. Now, I don't know what's going to happen today. 
But all I know is that it's going to be a great finisher. In the name of Jesus Christ. So with Jesus' joy in our heart, rising to our feet with smiles and check your name. Anybody, anybody smiling or not? Check the check your face. Check your face. Let's receive <laughs> God's servant prophet Adam Julius Kujo as he comes to be a blessing. faces will not be ashamed. As we look to the Lord, we receive light. We declare the Lord today, usher us into a new realm. Usher us into a new state. Usher us into a new understanding that your name and your grace shall be multiplied upon us. Even in Jesus' precious mighty name, we call it that. Amen. Now we all clap our hands to Jesus. Hallelujah. He takes your seats. Hallelujah. I want to salute our dear daddy and mommy, Bishop Isaiah and mommy Pearl. Thank you so much. Such a blessing. Uh, one of the things you need to understand about spiritual people, it's not much in what they say. It's an environment and an ambience they come in. So sometimes our generation is full of works, activities. So we measure spiritual people because of what they do. But there are some people, if God opens your eyes, you understand that it's not what they do. Their presence enhances a possibility. And I know that this is who God has made our bishop. Can we slap our hands for Jesus for his life again? Hallelujah. And yesterday I had the privilege to meet our dear Dr. Evo was such a blessing. Can we clap our hands together for Jesus, for his life? Hallelujah. And can we celebrate our resident pastor and his wife? Hallelujah. I came with my wonderful wife also. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Alright, so yesterday we understood that we have to plead the blood. Why we have to plead the blood? Let me say a couple of things and I'll, I'll explain why. When it comes to the blood of Jesus, as I explained yesterday, is the payment of a ransom. It's your bride price. Now, if you go to marry someone's daughter, no matter how you go about it, once the person tells you I want seven cows, you have to pay. 
you can't pay six. You can't pay five. You can't even pay seven, uh, what do you call it? Five, seven, six cows and one sheep. No, it's seven. It's a fixed amount. What that means is that when it comes to the, the blood of Jesus, you don't use it according to your emotions. You use it according to the legality behind it. Please listen to what I'm saying very well. <laughs> the Bible says in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, for the devil your adversary is roaring like an angry lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now the word whom he may devour means that he can't devour everybody. It's like writing a letter and write to whom it may concern. It means that letter does not concern everybody. So seeking whom he may devour means not every Christian is devourable. He is now going on a search. He didn't say the angry lion or the roaring lion is walking about. Whom? Having who he will devour. No, he is now seeking. Satan is now seeking whom he will devour. And actually, in the Greek, the word devour is to slap marrow from a bone. In fact, the literal Greek says to drink. <laughs> that means that when you don't know your right in Christ, the way when you chew bone and you do to pull the marrow out, that's what Satan does to you. He slaps you out. He's seeking who is devourable. Hallelujah. I'll say another thing that's important because there are many preachers in the New Testament but few preachers of the New Testament. I repeat. There are many teachers, prophets, apostles in the New Testament but few of the New Testament. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 that there's a glory that comes from the ministration of the law. There is a glory that comes from the ministration of the law. The ministration of death. He said there is a glory that it comes with. And unfortunately, many of church ministrations today is from the ministration of death. Hmm. The way we prophesy, the way we do deliverance is the ministration of death. That is why it fades. Listen to us, and that's why it fits. That's why your miracle doesn't sustain. That's why the prophecy can be attacked because the ministration of death is a glory that fadeth. But the ministration which comes from life, the ministration of glory which stands on the foundation of righteousness, is an exceeding, excelling glory. It does not fade, it only increases. <laughs> what it means is that. Imagine what we are calling miracles today is from death. How much more what will come from life? They are realms, I'm telling you. Realms. I didn't know God took me on that journey some years ago. I got concerned that when you go to a school park, you see gentlemen laying hands on people for them to fall down. And they will go seven kilometers on the park till the person falls down. Take it! The whole pack. You see that? The person is playing at one corner, but the time you realize it's at your corner. Take it. 
Because if he does not fall down, he has not taken it. <laughs> you must fall to take. I said, Lord, but there can be a better way. Then in the prophetic too, I said, ah, let's call names and numbers and all that. Then I started. And my father and the Lord called me one day and said, Adam, a kind of anointing you carry is not this time. Say, daddy, but prophetic is name, email address, phone number. He said, your own, if you do it like this, you'll be ordinary. I said, it's almost a year I didn't prophesy. Because every time I was come to prophesy, I was concerned. No, no, there was, so God showed me a, a journey. No, no, there was great in the prophetic anointing. And I said, Lord, how? He said, have you noticed there's a way you prophesy, everybody becomes fleshy. You even feel more tired the more you are talking. Everybody's tired, they are just watching a show. Ah, hey, that's what's happening here. Like, okay, then they'll sit down. Everybody wants to go home. Harm. The spirit is gone. It's a deaf ministry. Then I also notice that you are prophesying to the person, the person is just watching your face. Nothing is happening to them. Because it's not the revelation of Jesus Christ. And God said, I'll show you an excellent one. So there's a realm where you start prophesying. People break down. People fall down. People scream, Jesus. And it's not even details. It's only what they got and no one else on earth knows is in their heart. Child of God, you can't go beyond what you see. You can't have what you have not seen. So what we are sharing with you from these teachings might not be your usual power of the blood. You kill your enemies kind of power of the blood. No. It's a kind of revelation. It is the one you don't speak, but when you sit in the bus, something happens to the driver. It's the type you don't speak, but when you stop an Uber and he sees your face, what is coming from you? He will say, cancel ride. Because he can't pick you. There is too much glory coming from you. It is the one you pick and somebody has a machete in the car and wants to do evil. But as soon as you sat there, hmm, hmm, and you tell the, the driver, I want to get down. And whilst he's getting down, you see the cutlass at the back. He couldn't carry evil because it's the ministration of glory. Listen, God wants us to break into that episode. He wants us to enter into the epicenter of the life that is ever renewing. The life that is ever glowing. Praise the Lord. So forgive us if you are hearing a lot of teachings. It's necessary for your spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, amen. Thank God I have your attention now. What am I trying to say today? So when we started understanding the blood, Peter said, Satan goes around like an angry lion, a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It means the devil cannot come against you until you make yourself come against a bow. I don't know how to say it. Because if you listen to the story of the temptation in Luke chapter 4, he did not come to Jesus until Jesus was weary and hungry. That's why the Bible says, after that he had fasted 40 days. He hungered and the devil showed up. He didn't come on day two. He didn't come day seven. It was when the hunger started showing up. That's when Satan showed up. Now, if you understand this technology, you will know when Satan is coming. You will never be surprised by the devil. You will know when he's coming. When you are fasting and you are like, prophet, I'm fasting. Man of God, I'm fasting. But I don't know why I'm having bad thoughts. It started when your stomach started churning. 
It means you started feeling it. The spirit suspends biology. That's why there's a realm of fasting. When you even want to eat, you are afraid. You know why? You, know, you don't want to break, you don't want to break the atmosphere. But the one you are eager to break, it tells you you are not in the spirit yet. How come you have done all this fasting and you have still not changed? A lot of flesh. You can worship God with the flesh. <laughs> no wonder he commanded us worship God in the spirit and in truth. So there is worship in the flesh. I thought I'll come preaching today, but don't worry. It's part of the message. What I want your mind to come to is this. Satan from the day the Lord died was now left with deception. Not power. Trickery. Not ability. Intelligence. So he's able to sniff you out six months ahead. He cannot stop the planting of the Lord wheat, but he can corrupt the yield by adding something to it. He can't stop what God called you to do, but he can delay how you accept it. He can't stop your miracle ministry, but he can reduce your mind to mediocre miracles that I can't go beyond a certain level. He can't stop you, but he can reduce the way you see miracles to be. That's why yesterday I said that the New Testament is all about seeing and knowing. But if you can see well, if you can see well, oh, 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 if you can see well. The Bible says that in Luke 24, when he broke the bread and their minds were open, the same people who advised him not to go because they said in verse 29, he made as though he was going. But they forbade him, saying, it is late, so you should tarry with them the night. After Jesus now appears, that means at least an hour had appeared, because they've now eaten, they've taken communion, and now Jesus shows his face. Do you know they went in the midnight, back to the city without being afraid? That means there's a way when Jesus shows his face, fear will walk out of your life. It's not praying, fear, leave me. It's seeing, 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 seeing that if God be for us, who can be against us? What did the psalmist say? We quote it in prayer, but we don't even listen to what we said. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Not because I pray, because I know he is with me. That's all. So it's a revelation of who he is and what he has done that will liberate you perfectly. As soon as it is what you must do, then it's not yet perfect. It can fade. Because the day you stop doing it, you're in trouble. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay. So yesterday, like I said, this blood is an eternal sacrifice. Even heaven needed it. Oh, katascopalaba. There's a currency in heaven. He said there are three things that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Spirit, and the Word. But there are three things that bear witness on the earth. There are three things that bear witness on the earth. He said, the spirit, the water, and the blood. First John chapter 5. The spirit, the water, and the blood. So the blood is a witness. The spirit, yesterday I showed you, is also a witness. The blood is a witness. Anytime blood is spilled, it means death has occurred. And I told you yesterday, you can't buy a product twice. Neither can you judge a case twice. So if blood has been spilled, then it means the sentence of death has been passed. 
Is somebody here with me? Is somebody here with me? Okay. So today I want to show you something very remarkable about the blood. Now, when God wanted this blood, of course we know the story, he sent his son. As Zachariah prophesied it, according to the tender mercies of God, he put his word through the Holy Ghost to incubate in a woman and the child that came upon or was in this woman's belly according to Luke 135 was a holy thing and because it was a holy thing his blood was also holy and because his blood was holy it was capable to redeem man from his sins and something interesting happened that blood became an eternal communication to all men that will proceed on the earth. So as soon as man sinned, man who is the center or the transmitter of blood, because if you understand biology, the woman gives the body, the man gives the blood. The woman gives the body, the man determines the blood. So this operation was actually with God in mind. So that one day, if there's anything to do, God can use one person to affect everybody. So when Adam sinned, Adam's action affected all of us because of the blood. According to Romans chapter 5, the verse number 14, verse 12, verse 14 and 15. He said, by the sin of one man, sin ended and began to reign. And Bible says from verse 14, death reigned from Moses to Adam. Nevertheless, death reigned. And he said, even unto them who did not sin after the similitude of Adam's transgression. He said, death reigned upon them because one man did it and it all entered us. Then 15 says, likewise, in the same manner. He said, but not of the offense, but through the offense of many, but he says, much more the grace of God, which is also by one man, Jesus Christ, shall abound unto many. So the same way, when Jesus also came, because of his blood, whatever he was, whatever he is, whatever he will become, whatever you will never become. Everything that composes Jesus Christ, because the blood was now offered for us, we also have access to it. Are you understanding this thing? Wonderful. But when it now comes to the blood, I spoke about pleading the blood. And I said to you that it must be pleaded. Why? Now, the righteousness, which is of faith, Romans chapter 10, verse 6, speaketh on this wise. The righteousness, which is of faith, speaketh. The righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Why? If you don't understand that faith is voice activated, you cannot plead the blood necessarily in prayer. You must plead the blood in your speaking. Are you here? I told you yesterday we don't soak ourselves in the blood. We plead it. To soak yourself in the blood is to say you are entering the pool again. Are you understanding? I don't have to get it. But the mistake is that to say you are soaking yourself in the blood means the mark is not enough. But you have already been marked by blood. So why are you soaking yourself again in blood? It means you don't believe what you did. That means soaking yourself in blood is a prayer of doubt. That's why you have soaked your car in blood and it still had accident. Oh. I soaked the house in the blood. Thieves opened the door. Because you did it in <laughs> You are marked in blood. That means, you see, you soak yourself. It means God, the one you sprinkled is not enough. I need soaking. 
God said, I've sprinkled blood. Though. They said, blood that is sprinkling. But he said, you don't like the sprinkling. It's too small. You need soaking. I said something that has been connected to what I've come to say. You need soaking. So I soak myself in the blood. No. We plead the blood. Because the Bible says it in Hebrews chapter 10, 25. 12, 12, 25. The blood is speaking. He says, see that you don't refuse him. It means you have, you have to accept what the blood is saying about your life. That means that if there's anything you want to say that you don't know how to say. If there's a difficulty in your life and you are struggling to declare and say what God is saying. All you have to just do is kadakota. I plead the blood. You are struggling to declare blessings over your children because of what you see in life. If you are struggling to know, know what you see. I told you yesterday, in America, when you go to court and you don't want to answer a question or the question is I'm embarrassing or some way, you say, I plead the faith. It's called the Fifth Amendment. Freedom of speech. You can decide whether to speak or not to speak. So when you say, I plead the faith, that alone will speak on your behalf because everybody knows what is written. In the same regard, somebody, something has happened to you and it's so difficult to open your mouth to pray. You, you are struggling to, to pray for your children, struggling to pray for your household. All you have to just stand and say, I plead the blood. That means that everything the blood is saying, I don't refuse it, I accept it. So it's faith because it is accessed by faith, sorry, because faith is voice activated. Can I repeat this? Faith is what? Voice activated. Anything that is called faith, there must be voice activation. Without voice activation, it's not faith. So if you say, I'm the righteousness of God, it's not a thought, it's a speech. He said, those who are unskilled in the word of righteousness, they are babes. Hebrews chapter 5, 13. But when you check the, the tear, Thea is one of the Greek theologians who said the first word, the word meaning word, logos, the first interpretation is the act of speaking. So when you put that word in Hebrews chapter 5, 13, for everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of speaking righteousness. It means you are not skilled. In fact, the word skillful means inexperienced. You've not used it enough. So babyhood is a product of people who don't know how to declare I'm the righteousness of God. <laughs> you have to keep declaring it because you don't know how to speak. Kado Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Are you here with me? Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, amen, 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 amen. Praise the Lord. So you must understand what Jesus did. Now, the reason why I want to talk about this part is that when it comes to the power of the blood, it is not on the merit of the one's action who uses it. But it is on the merit of the one's confidence and revelation in what the blood is. So, when it comes to the blood, for instance, if you look at all the, I will not get into that, but the Jewish culture, Every year, the priest on the day of atonement carries the bull, lays his hand on it and then carries the blood of the bull and when he's going, scripture said nobody must touch him because he's carrying the blood into the holy of holies. As soon as you touch him, it's the principle of impartation. You have transferred your sin to the priest. So as soon as the priest touches the bull, that's a sacrifice. The blood that is drained, when he carries it in the censer, nobody touches the priest. He has to enter the holiest of all to offer it before anybody can touch him. And when he is done offering it, he comes out shouting, Tetelestai! Tetelestai! 
Then the psalmist proverb came to pass. Blessed are the people that hear a joyful noise. Because the joyful noise is the telestai. It is finished. It is completed. It is accomplished. That means that this year it will rain. This year we will have bumper harvest. This year God has accepted our offering. So because of that, I'm still alive. It is proof that the priest who is ever alive indicates the acceptance of the blood that was offered. So for Jesus not to have resurrected is indication the sacrifice was a flaw. Romans 4.25 He was raised. He was delivered to death for our sins but was raised because of our justification. So if he didn't rise up our justification will not be enough. It will not happen. Oh hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. This Sunday morning I want to really let you see with your spirit and your mind what this blood is all about. You are driving, you start feeling dizzy. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. And every speaking of the blood will take over. Your child is sick and they, they are rushing. I plead the blood. That means that if I don't know what to say, if out of fear I'm going to pray a wrong prayer, the blood and what it says is superior. No matter my state. Oh, you didn't get that one. That's why I'm saying that. When it comes to the blood, it's not emotions. It is what it stands for. It is a voice in the spirit. It has what it is saying. Even if you are not aware. <laughs> Hallelujah. Please, are we here? I should understand what I'm saying. So get what I'm trying to say. So, I'm trying to bring your mind to something very important. So when the priest is accepted, no matter how sinful you are as a member of the nation, you are also accepted. You know how God is so wise? He knew our flaws. So he created a system of salvation that was not dependent on the offender. Because when you bring your animal for sacrifice, it is the animal that is examined, not the one who brought it. So under no circumstance has the believer <laughs> been under examination. When you bring your offering, your offering is what is examined. Number two, after your offering is examined, the one who off or examines the offering is the Lord High Priest. And it is the holiness of the priest that determines the holiness of the nation. So once your priest is accepted, you are also accepted. No wonder the Bible says, wherefore we are accepted in the beloved. You are accepted. Somebody has said you are accepted. Say I'm accepted. Say I'm accepted. Say I'm accepted. No, you have to understand what the blood means. I'm telling you. Why am I saying what I'm saying? It is because of the blood. People like Cain could hear the voice of God after murdering their brother. You see, there's, there's, oh, I told you some time ago, eh? False prophecy is not as dangerous as false teaching. False teaching. <laughs> it, you, it's subtle. It's Sunday after Sunday, but it's molding a mindset. When you find Christians who are struggling to pray, struggling to fast, it is teachings that have come over time. Prophecy we forget. Even if it didn't happen, we even forget. Even when it even happens the way God said it, we even forget. Don't you realize? So as for prophecy, it's not really something. It is the teaching. Certainly something's happening to your spirit. Something's happening to your spirit. So if we don't teach you rightly what this blood is all about, 
I'm telling you. You might, you might, it might be speaking for you, but you don't even know how to use it. It might be doing things for you, but you are not even aware what is acquiring for you. I said, your high priest is accepted. The offering, which is Jesus Christ, is also accepted. You cannot be denied. You see why, what God did? In God's method, number two, he decided not to save us by love. God didn't save us by mercy. God didn't even save us by grace. Go and read the Bible well. In Romans chapter 5, can we find that scripture for me? He says, grace reigns in righteousness. That means without righteousness, even grace cannot work. <laughs> if it's not paid for, even the, the grace you are believing God for, it can't come to you. Because if, it, if you were saved by love, the day God is angry with you, it means you lose your salvation. If you are saved by mercy, the day God is not merciful to you, you will suspect whether you are saved. God knew how we think. Jesus said in the psalmist, through the psalmist, he said then that, uh, uh, what do you call it? He said to the psalmist, he knoweth our frame, that we are but dust. So God knows how we think. That these people, if I don't die and pay, they will still doubt. Even the one I've died and pay, they are still doubting. So people preach you will go to hell, even though you are born again. Can you imagine? Because I keep telling these people, it's not, let's even forget the theology of one say forever saved. Let's stop that. Let's enter the Bible and read for ourselves. If the blood of bulls and goats could save you for a year, is it the blood of a man that cannot save you for 10 years? So if a blood of a man is higher than the blood of an animal, then the blood of God is what? And it was offered in eternity. So whatever God does is forever. Oh no, you have to, it's not even an argument we should argue. So many Christians are secured by their salvation. You know, they, they, are, they are aware, assured they are saved, but they are not secured they will be saved. So you are wondering, will you be? Ay, ay, ay. It's because we don't understand what the blood is. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. When he comes, he sees the blood. Oh. Because Bishop, you notice in the Bible, everyone God used was not perfect. Everyone. Dirty guys. Corrupt guys. Womenizers. The one that shocked me recently, I told them some time ago I came here. The one that shocked me was, I was reading, reading, reading. God said, be careful how you judge things. That's why I told you, don't judge. You make a wrong judgment. Wait for me to come. I said, Lord, what do you mean? He said, go to Hebrews. You see that guy you call Samson? That slept with a prostitute and the spirit came on him. That committed suicide. Let me die with my enemies. You know something committed suicide? He said, put my hands on the pillar. He wanted to kill himself. And he killed himself. But time will fail me to mention Samson and Jephthah. He is part of the Hebrew generals of the hall of faith. He's in Hebrews chapter 11. Time will fail me to mention Gideon, Jephthah, Barak, Samson. He's part of the 24 elders. And he committed suicide. And he was sleeping with prostitutes. The shocking part was that whilst he was liking the wrong women, Bible says, and the parents did not know God's hand was in it. You can't judge him. If he comes to the matters of the spirit, then you can eyes. Why am I saying this? I'm not saying go and misbehave because it will affect your conscience. I'm telling you that no matter what you have done, God can still use you. Because the blood is higher. It's higher than anything you have ever done. You have no idea what that blood is. You have no idea what that blood is and what it's going to do. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Are you here with me? Okay. 
I'm taking you on a journey because of what I want to show you so that you can appreciate it well. Because some of the things you read it in the Bible, you're like, oh, what's this for? What's this for? It has a lot of meaning. It has a lot of meaning. Once upon a time, when Jesus was coming to the earth to die, you will notice that before he was born, prophecies came ahead of him. Then when they went to do the census, Bible said that it might be fulfilled, that he shall come from Nazareth. He ran away from Herod. He said that it shall be fulfilled, Matthew chapter 2, that he shall be from Nazareth. Then when they ran to Egypt, they spoke about how he will come from Africa according to prophecy. So everything Jesus did was prophetic. That means that his death was prophetic. His dying was prophetic. Everywhere he stood, something happened that fulfilled prophecy. I think the next time I'll come, I'll probably teach on the Ark of the Covenant and Christ. Wherever the Ark of the Covenant went, that's where Jesus went. In all of Jerusalem, in all Nazareth, Bethlehem, everywhere the Ark went, Jesus went there. Wherever his feet, in Samaria, his feet was there. It was everywhere. <laughs> because he's the Ark of the Covenant. He's the presence of God. Hallelujah. Okay. So please quickly follow me today. Um, it's a very brief message. I know my introduction has been long, but it's very brief. I promise you. <laughs> it's a very brief one. <laughs> yes, very, very brief. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. One of the reasons why the blood has not secured people's prosperity, blessing, favor, glory, is because we have not appreciated its full power. I'll show you one thing. In Exodus chapter 12, there was an order that was given to Moses that tell all of Israel, tonight the destroying angel shall come. And when he comes, verse 13 says, and thou shalt paint your doorpost with blood. And when I see the blood, I will pass over, you, over thee. So what he was saying was that everywhere that the angel of destruction saw the blood, he will not enter. Do you know in the strangest operation, it was not about who was in the house. It was who entered the house. He didn't say, if it was an Egyptian house, even if I see the blood, I'll kill them. Once they put blood on the door, whether you are Egyptian, Nubian, or Ethiopian, you won't die. Because there's a scripture in the Bible that used to bother me for years. In Numbers chapter 11, verse 4 and 5. Forgive me if my style has changed. If something has happened in the spirit. In Numbers chapter 4 and 5, he said, and when the mixed multitude was among them fell elastic. Try ASV. Try other versions. You understand that the Bible says the non-Jews, the mixed multitude. Do you have other versions? It speaks about a category of people, non-Jews. So the non-Jews were saved. What? The non-what? Oh, are we there? This is Numbers 11, verse 4. Aha. Uh Aha. -huh. Uh -huh worthless foreigners among the Israelites. How were foreigners part of the Israelites? That means that the day that some people announced that there's a coming angel that will destroy us. Some of the friends who were Nubians, who were foreigners, some Egyptians entered the house. Because if you listen to the kind of food they were talking about, it's not the food slaves eat. Mm. So when he says, I see the blood, I'll pass over you. It is not who entered the house. That was the issue. Once you are in the house and there's a blood over your head, God does not even see what you did. He doesn't even recognize your tribe. Worthless foreigners. 
non-Jews. So it means when they were leaving Egypt, non-Jews also left. <laughs> so when you tell me that God only came to save the Jews, you lie. God brought a pattern. If you, have, if you subscribe, you'll be saved. If you subscribe, you'll be saved. What is that? It's a very serious thing I just said. But follow what I'm saying very well. The bond of the blood is a serious matter. See that ye refuse him that speaketh. Refuse not him that speaketh. That means that child of God. You can be born again and you, are, you can be refusing the speaking of the blood. And you will suffer. And somebody will not be born again. But he's not refusing the speaking of the blood and it will work for them. Have you not heard people who are not Christians and they remember what their mother used to pray? Father, I sanctify my road by the blood. And they are not Christians. Because the issue is not whether you are born again or not. It's whether you are refusing or not refusing. So you can be born again, but you are refusing his speaking. So you won't get better things. But there are better things that the blood is speaking. The blood is speaking your prosperity. Stop refusing it. So your prosperity, in fact, the Bible said it very clearly in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19. We don't come to God because we fasted. We've not come to God because we are clean. You see, when, when Paul, uh, what call Moses was speaking in the, in the book of Genesis and Exodus, and the psalmist captured it in Psalm 24. He said, who shall ascend the holy hill of God? He that has clean hands. And he, it was not in the days when the blood was sacrificed. But when the blood was sacrificed, he says, verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 10, we have boldness to enter the holy of holies, not by fasting, not by prayers, but by the blood. So the next time you start praying that you need a car, don't calculate how many fastings you have failed. You have to speak the blood. The blood, oh, you don't get this one. That is why I said to you that it is because of blood Cain could hear God's voice. Because blood was speaking. Your brother's blood is crying to me. Then Cain had blood in his system. So when God came talking to um, Cain, God didn't say he has murdered so he won't talk. How did a murderer, a non-believer, hear the voice of God? And you were Christian saying, I can't hear God. And because of my sins, God has stopped talking. You don't understand the blood. No wonder King in his sin could tell God, my punishment is more than I can bear. In Genesis 4. And God looked at the guy and said, you deserve it. He rather said, you are right. Let me put a mark on you. And he activated the clause. That was explained in Leviticus. Anyone that touches King shall pay with his life seven times. If God could speak to Pharaoh, is it you he can't talk to? You see, that's why I said teaching is dangerous. So you can hear wrong teaching, that's the end. Your ears will shut down. You hear again. You can't be used by God again. Because there's a teaching that came as a some time when many pastors were falling. That some pastors fell in America and the dove left them. And the fire has left them and the glory has left them. The glory didn't go anywhere. It was the guilt that held them bound. It was not glory that left them. The glory was all around. It was always there. They explained to me how David murdered somebody. Explain to me how David did all he did and came to tell God, don't take your Holy Ghost away from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Then after all the nonsense is dead, God said, I will raise Jesus Christ by the sure mercies of David. That, 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 ah, that criminal, God still use him as a reference for resurrection. I will raise 
Jesus Christ, my holy son, by the sheer mercies of David. No wonder Jonah said it in Jonah chapter 2 verse 8. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. If you keep looking at the problem and look at your past, you can never enjoy mercy. But can I announce to you, even mercy is on the basis of a payment. You are not deserving of mercy until righteousness has satisfied the cross. That's why I said we can come boldly to now obtain favor and help in our time of need. So you didn't have the help to come. But it is righteousness that made you come. Because without righteousness, you can't even come and ask for forgiveness. Today, I, want, I really want you to have that mindset. There is a needless suffering you are suffering. Because your mind, it's like I don't deserve it. I don't think it will work again. It will work again. I said it will work again. I said your former life is an egg, it's a shadow of what God is about to do. The path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter unto a perfect day. Not dimmer and dimmer as the years go by. It's supposed to brighten. No matter how yesterday was, it should be a shadow of tomorrow. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Alright. So quickly, let's check some of the places that Jesus bled at. Number one. When you read the scripture very well, Jesus went to a place called Gethsemane. You see it in the book of Mark. Mark 14, Mark 15. You see it. You see it also there. Look, Matthew 26. Jesus went to Gethsemane. The Bible said when he started praying, and especially Luke's story, Luke's rendition. In the book of Luke, we see when Jesus went to Gethsemane. Mark And the Bible said that. Luke 22 verse 44. Yeah. Luke 22 verse 44. And Jesus knelt down on the floor began to pray. And as he was praying, the Bible said his sweat turned to drops of blood. Now I want to start with the places that Jesus, the geographical locations that blood spurted out. When I say spurted out, means the place where his body was open for blood to come out. Obviously, after he sweat blood, Wherever he was going, um, Caiaphas' house, the scourging post, after beating him, in fact, even in Pilate's house, blood was dropping there. No, do you understand? Because they're beating him and the wounds are fresh, so blood is dripping. Whilst he's walking to, um, they call it the Dar de la Rosa, he's going to the cross, blood is falling on the street. He's losing blood because his, 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 his vessels and blood vessels are open, so blood is dripping. But I'm talking of the places where blood was initiated to, to Paul. The first one was Gethsemane. Some say Gethsemane. And strangely enough, the last place was Golgotha. Some say Golgotha. Some say Golgotha. Amen. Oh, are you tired? Okay, please don't be tired at all. The, the next place was Golgotha. And this Golgotha, scripture gave a very interesting reference in the book of Mark. That it was near a garden. It was a place that was near a garden. So Jesus' death began, his suffering began in a garden and it ended in a garden. Mm. If you've been to Israel before, I know this one will disturb you. Golgotha is not a mountain. In fact, it's a mountain, but where he was crucified was not on top of it. Hey. Hey. 
I know you know that hymn. On a hill far away, stood the old red cross. It's not like that. That's why Bible called it the place called Gogota, not the mountain place. Bible is very specific. It would have specified it was a mount, but it says place. So when you go to Gogota, Gogota is like a huh? The place they call Gogota. That is to say the place of the skull. Gogota was like a hill that had caves in it. But that caves at the base. Because if it was a mountain top. Oh, next one. I think you are here. 34. No, go back, go back, go back. Is it find it in Mark? If it was the place he was talking about, that was a mountain. Then where did he say the place that he died was a garden? The cross was close to a garden. He said, then the, oh, yeah, that's it. Uh huh, uh huh, next one, 23. No, 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 find it. I think it's, I, I forgot it. Look, look, or, how's he excuse me, Lord? Don't worry. Find it for me. He said, the place where he was crucified was near a garden. It was a, a garden close to him. Close to him. It should be Mark. It was close to him, a garden. Why am I trying to say what I'm, I'm bringing your mind to something very interesting so you can get even how Jesus bled and where he bled, what it meant and what it did for you as a perfect work of grace. Now, please, I found it. John what? Uh -huh, John 19. Good. And now the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden was a new sepulcher. So where Jesus was crucified was a garden. So what was he doing on the mountain? And strangely enough, it has never told us that the place Jesus died was a mountain. It rather says in the Bible was a garden. Because mm. you don't understand how the crucifixion works. Crucifixion was not done for celebration. It was done for derogation. When they crucify you is to disgrace you. And they do it at the entrance of the city. So that by the time you get there, anybody who is entering town, they will see the criminals hanging on the cross. So you can see that this is serving as a deterrent for anybody who violates the Roman law. That if you try, this is what will happen to you. So he was not crucified on an elevated place. He was crucified in, in the entry of the city. Outside the gate. That's why the Bible said it in the book of Hebrews chapter 13. He was crucified. He said Jesus went without the gate to suffer. So where he was done was not a mountain. Without the gate. Hey. It, I know, don't worry. It doesn't destroy the hymns. That's what we knew at the time. But what I'm trying to bring your mind to is this. So where he was dying was close to a garden. Otherwise, the picture we watch on movies, you know, Hollywood has also worried us. That's why we've always thought it's a mountain. So they carry him from a mountain, they descend and go and find the garden. No. The garden was nearby. I was thinking about it. I think uh, Pastor Dawson went to Israel, came back, said, Prof, he said, you'd be shocked though. When they showed us where Christ died, it was not a mountain. It's beside the mountain. I said, is that so? I said, that explains it. Because there's no way in the Bible that says that he died on a mountain. Please don't be angry. Is it in the Bible? You, you've seen it in picture. It's true. Sometimes it's a, it's a depiction, but that's not the real thing. Oh, it's not in the Bible. He said where he died and was crucified, there was a garden, not a mountain, a garden. So why was this so? Because the first Adam's transaction, 
began and ended in a garden. So the last man's transaction must also begin and end in the garden. Then I'll show you this. His first instance in the garden was sweat turning to blood. God came in Genesis chapter 3 verse 19 and he said, you see what you have done? In the sweat of thy brow, thou shalt labor before you eat. So Jesus didn't have to sweat the way we sweat. He had to sweat in such a way that blood entered sweat. So that by blood entering sweat, he pleads deliverance. He pleads favor. He pleads rest. Because in your cell, in your sweating, God deliberately caused blood to leak into the sweat. It's called hematidrosis. When your skin begins to undergo a certain physical trauma, the red blood cells vessels break and they enter your sweat. I, I forgot to bring the picture, but it's a condition. You can check it on online. You see people sweating and their face is blood. They sweat blood. It's a literal condition. It's not a joke. It's a medical condition. You can Google it. It's medic people have it now. So Jesus sweats inside your blood. So that from that day onwards, to stress about anything is a case. To, to stress before you get a breakthrough is a case. It's not like that. Because it has been redeemed. But you see what I said? Because you don't even understand that you have to plead the blood over your labor. Plead the blood over your working. You are still sweating before you see a thousand dollars. You must plead the blood. The Lord, you bled in sweat. So that even when I sweat, my sweat is not from curses. It's a sweat of blessing. <laughs> it's a sweat of liberation. It's not a sweat of slavery. So God was so specific and methodical. Why? The way God died, eh, he had to die legally so that there's no case that can rise against you in any time and season of your life. Number two, they took him to a place called, so after that they arrested him and they took him to a place called Caiaphas House. Caiaphas House. See, it's in Matthew 26. I think 57. 56, 57. See, it's in John 18. They took Jesus to Caiaphas' house, the house of Annas and Caiaphas. And when they got there, they had to gather a Sanhedrin in the night just to handle Jesus. Midnight Sanhedrin council meeting. When Jesus came, all the scribes and the high priests and priests, they lined up. One road to the side, one road to that side. You know, in the medieval culture, when you are part of a society and you violate their, their sect rules, you walk through what they call the tunnel of dishonor. People punch you, hate you. When you come out, you are expelled. But in the Sahindrin, what they do is that when they do that line, it is the beginning of your judgment. It means after that is done, you are condemned. Any sentence that is passed, you can't appeal. So when they brought Jesus, the scribes, the Sahindrin, the priests, they line up. And the Bible said in, Psalm, in Isaiah 50 verse 6, we don't know what happened that day, but there's something that happened. All we see in the movie is somebody hitting Somebody spat on him. No, everyone. See what he said. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks. That means that the beard on Jesus' face, he held it and we yanked it. So by the time Jesus was leaving, he had plucked his beard and some blood was coming from his beard. That's where he started. What do you think Isaiah 53 said? 
No one could tell his generation because they've disfigured him. Even his, this might be like this. That's how they held it. His own, you know, the, the Arabs, their own is long. They held it one. One some say. So the hand became shaving stick. Ah, boom. Pull it. See that one hair that when you are pulling from your nose, you are like Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Bah! This one they held a lot. He said, My beard was plucked. And the Jew said, Ah, okay, let me just explain it. There's something that says in Matthew chapter 5. When you slap you on one cheek, give the other to them. Asafo, please, can you come? Asafo, come. Thank you. Before humility, please come. Now, the Jews don't slap the way we think the slap is talking about. The Jews don't slap this way. The, the Jews slap with the back of their hand. So when he says, when they slap you on one cheek, pow! It means make this one available for the flowing hand. That's what it means. So what they did to Jesus was they smote him. So you know the priest also had their rings. So ping on the face. So whether he hit his eye and everyone struck him. Because everybody has to do something to him. Otherwise it means you don't agree to the sentence. Everyone who does not do it means they don't agree. That's why if you remember Arithmetia who was his family head. Jesus' family head. There's the reason why when Arithmetia came for the body of Jesus, they asked Arithmetia, who are you? He didn't talk about discipleship. It is the Bible that explained it. But what he told Pilate was different. Because in Jewish culture, like Ghanaian culture, if you're not a family member, you don't deserve the body. So imagine the family head of Jesus was the richest man. There's a certain wealth Jesus worked in you are not aware of. He was rich, yet for your sake became poor. He was rich, yet for your sake became poor. And he didn't have an accountant. He had a treasurer. And his dress was so fashionable that even the Roman soldiers who were considering themselves as elite civilization gambled over it. They called it a seamless girdle. It was expensive. His friends were the richest of town, Lazarus. Those were his friends. He grew up with them. If you are growing up with rich people, what was your parents? One day when I come and preach on Mary, do you know who Mary was? Me. In fact, the Bible says he, uh, Joseph was a carpenter. But it's not a carpenter we think. That, he, that Greek word carpenter is technologist. He was a technologist, not a carpenter carpenter. Like, they were devising things. Jesus had patent. <laughs> do you know patent? <laughs> ay, 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 ay. No, those guys, listen, it sounds like the story is funny, but the people were not small boys. But there's a life they lived. There's a life they lived. So money shouldn't be the reason why you can't serve God. Because the Lord was rich, yet for our sakes became poor. That we through his poverty might become rich. Can I ask you a question? Do you know the Magi? I'll show you a story. When Jesus was born, two things happened. What's happened? The shepherds in Luke chapter 2, from verse 10 to 13, came to see a boy in a manger. In fact, the angel said, I'll give you a sign. You will see a baby boy that is born, and he will be in a manger when you get there. And he said, first sign is he will be in swaddling cloth. Second sign means he will be in a manger. Swaddling cloth was actually one of the cloths they used those times. The swaddling cloth of those days was not the swaddling cloth of today. It was not napkin. Those swaddling cloth was the same cloth and method you used to embalm baby, um, a dead body. So it's patch of strips. You, you put it around the child to prevent the child from cold and, and control the size of the child's leg. All those things. The Japanese do it a lot. They bind the leg with bandage. 
That's why their size is not above size 10. Their leg, small, small leg, they bind it. <laughs> you know, in Africa, they let you walk barefoot. So by the time you realize <laughs> you are size 58 <laughs> and you can't get a shoe, you have to be going to a special shoemaker. You know, you've walked barefoot for a long time. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, <laughs> so, now this, so that was the sign. But when it came to Matthew chapter 2, they didn't come to see a baby in a manger. Bible says they came to see a boy with his mother. And they asked, when did you see the star? He said, about two years ago. It means Jesus was two years at the time. He was not a baby. So the, the Magi didn't see a baby. They saw a boy, an infant. You see, this, this thing I'm telling you, Hollywood has distorted you. That the wise men, three old, three kings of Orient far. Ah, la, 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 la. It was not a baby. <laughs> they didn't come to see a baby. They came to see a boy who was with his mother. Matthew chapter 2 is there. They came to see a boy who was with his mother. It is the shepherds who saw a baby in a manger. And when the Magi said that to Herod in Matthew 2, where you see that is born king of the Jews, verse 2 and 3. Do you know what he answered? He said, about what time did you discover the star? He said, about two years ago. That means these people knew the king was born, but they didn't move. You know who the Magi were? They were the new world order of their day. They had their own army. And when they show up and you were wrong king, they can take you off because they came with their soldiers. So as soon as Herod saw them, he had to salute them. Excuse me, sir. Think about it. Herod is an appointee of, 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 of the Roman Pilate and, and Caesar. Yet when the Magi came, listen to his body language, he was, he was shaking. Because they've come to see the real king. What it means is this. It took two years to prepare to come and see Jesus. So they didn't come with one gold bar. Neither did they come with one hint of frankincense. Oh, three kings of Orient far. You traveled all the way with one small basket. <coughs> ah, Lord, have mercy on the pictures we have been looking at. Look at the kind of pictures. So you are confused that these people traveled all the way from the east. You see, Israel is Middle East. Oh, so they came from the east of the middle of the east. And they came with one bottle. All oh, this journey for just one bottle. They can buy it. No wonder when they left, Joseph had enough money to buy a house in Africa. They didn't know anybody in Africa. When they entered Egypt, they bought a house. And they stayed there. What kind of money do you need to buy a house? And when you come back to your city, you're like, I don't like what is happening here. They went back to Nazareth. Bought another house there. What type of men were they? Stop saying Jesus was poor. You know, this gospel is not a, it's not a poor man's gospel. Our Savior was deadly rich. But he lived in a kind of humility. That though he's rich, you don't even smell it around him. Oh, he's down to earth. He's with everybody. Ah, wave your hands that Jesus is wonderful. Thank you, sir. So they pluck his beard and blood was dripping on the floor. They pluck his beard and blood was pouring. But mind you, the last thing he has eaten is the last supper. And he's just standing there. And imagine <laughs> even not eating your HB level comes low. Then you have a condition where when you sweat, your sweat is leaking blood. So the man is losing blood, has not eaten, has not sleeping all night. Just because of you and I. And you come and say the blood does not work. And you dare say the name of Jesus does not work. And you pulverize the power in the gospel. You have 
no idea what you are doing. That's why the Bible says there are some people, they have become in their minds enemies of the cross. Because you don't understand what the cross did. Every time you are living anyhow, doing everything, you can't control yourself. You can't, you can't stop an addiction. You have, you have become an enemy of the cross because you are telling God that, that your cross is useless. I'm still bound. And this is what he did. He pulled his beard. And the whole point was he's not just suffering physical trauma. He's suffering mental trauma. Because he knew that ahead of him is the greatest dread of his life for which he has just prayed. God is going to be separated for him for, for the first time in their existence. And that's why he cried. It's not what he's come to go through. But he's a human, so he's feeling the pain. But not only so, sir. He starts suffering emotional trauma. Because his own familiar friend has betrayed him. And the one he thought was his rock has sworn and cursed three different occasions. And he saw him do it in the courtyard. So it means the way Peter swore, it was loud enough for Jesus to hear it in the room. Mm. I swear! Don't know him. If I know him, let thunder strike me. And if it was an evil man, he would just swear, I swear! Swear to God, the next girl who told you, then another man said, I remember you. He said, hey, 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 hey. Don't joke over here. I don't know him. And as he was saying, Jesus was just, just, just look from the particle and said, The cock had crowed twice. He said, Before the cock crows three times. So on the second chance of the cock's crow was when he finished the third the betrayer. Before the cock did the third one, he was looking at him. And Peter felt guilty. This is why when they resurrected, John chapter 20. Mary Magdalene went to call Peter, verse 2, and John the beloved. Peter was running as soon as he remembered. <laughs> Bible says John routes running. He <laughs> said, go and see him in case he's angry. <laughs> because the way that thing went, his feet has become heavy out of guilt. The way it went, I don't want to meet him first. So you meet him, cool his heart down, I'll come and see what is happening. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jesus didn't have a problem with him. Can I tell you something? If you don't understand the blood, eh, there are so many things you think God has a problem with you, and He's not even thinking about it. He's not even. He's not. Peter thought God has a problem with him. That's why he went fishing. After seeing Jesus, he was still not sure. Can you imagine? He now took the team. Let's go fishing. And they went fishing. When Jesus came, he was naked. Now I wonder why God had to describe whether he was naked or wearing dress. He wanted to tell you that he was dressed like a fisherman, bare-chested, with just his togas in the water. And when he saw it was the Lord, he quickly put on a garment and came to shore. Peter, God has had patience for people after all this and his boldness. The Jesus who you crucified, God has made Lord and Christ in the resurrection. Then when he sees the Jews, he, he pretends he doesn't know the, the, the Gentiles. And yet Peter is one of the people, Paul even said, who were chief elders amongst the saints and you will get to heaven. That means that sometimes that's your sanguineness might not be the reason why I disqualify from God. It might disqualify you from inheritance and rulership because you have not trained yourself to be skilled in the matters of stewardship. But it does not destroy the protocols of sonship. That's still a son. That's still a son. That's why the son, they had adjectives. The elder son and the prodigal son but nevertheless, they were sons. 
You should know who you are. That's what he said. I plead, my, I plead the blood. Why? Satan comes to give you doubts. We didn't sing the second verse, but the same verse, he comes to give you doubt, to discredit and wonder who you are in Christ. The solution to many of your problems is to know who you are. I walk in power. I walk in miracles. I live a life of favor. Why? I know. It means if you don't know who you are, you can't walk in power. You can test it from time to time. But if you don't know who you are, that I'm a Holy Ghost naked wire. Ah. I don't run from witches. They run for me. I don't care who is a witch selling watch. I'll buy it. Witch, I need your watch. <laughs> That's why I say, witch knows that you know who you are. You say, I beg, sir. For what? <laughs> say, don't worry. <laughs> what I'll do if it's out of your business? Say, yes, sir. He said, yeah, this one usually turns to snake. He said, but for your sake. We know if we try snake, we'll die. We'll die. I heard a joke of a certain man of God who said, there are some men of God you don't fly over their house. But if you fly over their house and that area eats that animal you tend to, you will never come back alive. So the next time a witch flies over your house, ask the witch, what do you want to tend to? Because this area, they eat dogs. <laughs> if you tend to dog and cannot move, you are going to be sacrificed. You will tend to breakfast. When you know who you are, you are not in your area for fun. God sent you there for territorial command. You are in charge of some children who some demons want to kill before their time. You don't even realize you know them. But if God only showed you why he made you relocate to the places you relocated to, you understand you came here and since that time, earth cannot celebrate you. Only heaven will show you that. Boy, since you entered that city, hell was under siege. They sent memo that there's a guy who has entered town. He knows who he is. He knows who he is. Yeah. I told them a story of a certain witch meeting that they had for a certain man of God. They had a witch convent. And not me, a lady who called herself Mama Witch had flown over the man's house and she didn't return. So they had an emergency witch meeting. When they had the emergency witch meeting, they said, emergency witch meeting. I said, good evening, good dawn. All you new witches recruits that you just came, we have some advice for you. You see, usually in Shia Shi, there are 30 roads that we fly at night on. But because of dominion, it has become 10. And we are advising you because senior witch, Madam Ize, decided that she will fly and test. She has not returned since seven days now. So we are advising you young witches. Don't try. Then one we stood up and said, what if we try? He said, if you're a witch, go. <laughs> that you see, you will not come back. This is how Satan should be having a meeting about you. This is how Satan should be having a meeting about you. Because you know who you are. You know who you are. No, we should demand the, you go in your room. Hi-ya. No, 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 no. You know who you are. Gabaku Get out. <laughs> I hold you down. You stand in your room and you hear birds flying all kinds of nonsense time. Hey! Hey! This ends now. That's all. From time to time, flies enter your house and you don't know what is happening. Belzabob is playing with you. Tell that demon, no egg of a fly hatches in my house. Go back, Katayas. Faith is voice activated. If you don't speak, eh, you, you are in power, but you are not using it. They're just quiet, smiling. You, you never know. It's probably something that has died. Every day something has died without you killing it. You're not concerned. Now because I pastor a lot, I've become more practical in my preaching. Don't you think so? 
At first, when I come, I come. Shum, 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 shum. Whether you understand or not, I'm gone. Coco's Elysis. I would always say, why so much of Coco's? I said, you don't understand. <laughs> I just say, Coco, you didn't understand. Hey, whoa. Just pass like that. Shum, shum. Usually, those men, they are for pastors and men of God. But now God has changed me. Amen. I'm learning to pastor so that I can come down. So I'm, I'm making it practical so you can use the blood. You can plead the blood. You can apply the blood. Are you together? Are you here? So what I'm saying again is after what he went through, now he went to the scourging post. Hey! Jesus was scourged. And of course, you know what happened there? They beat him. Look, they beat him. One of the things the Roman soldiers like is a, a, a Jew who is a criminal because they felt the Jews had inf- a superiority complex. They felt they were best human beings. So when the Roman, they, they were happy to be that guy. And they don't beat with number. They fly it. The flagellum. Seven leather strands. And it's peeling your back. So Bible says in 1 Peter 2.24 hmm? 1 Peter 2.24 Oh, Rakatos You should see the kind of beating the beat Jesus. That's why Pharaoh, uh, what do you call it? Pilate didn't expect them to kill him. He thought the scourging should be now because the scourging, eh, they don't scourge your, your back, they scourge your front. They turn you upside down. And they, they beat you till, you know, I was, I was sharing somewhere that Bible says when Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11, I was beating with rods. When they beat you with rods, it's not Cain. The Jewish beating of rosses, they turn you upside down for blood to go to your brain. And they take a metal bar and they hit inside your leg. So Paul said he went through that three times. That means they beat you to a point where, you know, your only vehicle is your legs. So they beat you to a point where you can't travel anywhere to preach. Paul said that's what they did to him three times. Thrice I was beaten with rods under my feet. By whose stripes ye are healed? Do you have the, ampl- uh, the amplified or the ASV? I want you to see the stripes. If it translated it well. By whose wounds you are healed? Do you have the ASV? There's a version type. Okay. There's a version that says by whose blows. By whose blows you are healed. You know why? The Greek word for stripes is malope. And malope is, is the English uses, uh, what do you call it? Plural. It's not stripes, so you think it's lines. But the Greek is singular. So they beat Jesus till his back was a hole. That's how much blood he has lost. That's why the carpenter who is so fit, who has worked from Cana to Capernaum to, uh, to uh, uh, what do you call it, Galilee to whatever. Now he couldn't even carry a beam of stick. He has lost enough blood. And he bled at the scourging post. Because when he went into Gethsemane, he went to the location of the garden where the curse for stress was released. Then he went into Caiaphas' house, the location of the Jewish religious system, so that when blood fell on the floor, it redeemed Israel and cleansed them from religious decadence. Then he also allowed himself to enter the scourging post. Bible calls it in Mark story, Mark chapter 15, that where they took Jesus, verse 15 and 16. Mark 15, 15 and 16. Where they took Jesus to scourge him was a hall. Verse 16 said the hall they took him was the praetorium. So they took him to the soldier's hall and that place, the praetorium, when they beat him and blood poured there, 
it was actually redeeming the Gentiles also. The Romans. And finally, they carried him to Golgotha, which was a garden. And there, blood oozed. Because they punctured new wounds there. In his hand, in his leg, in his side. And the Bible says, splattered on the floor. Because something had happened. Cursed is the man that hanged on the tree. He said, but Christ died so that he can redeem us from the curse of the law. So when that blood fell on the floor, remember what I said to you, it's a, it's a purchasing price. He was buying the garden back again. That day was the day Jesus buy, bought the blood. He bought the land. He bought the garden. He bought Golgotha as a location for which he is purchasing the Eden life. The life where God supplies all we need. So the blood now touched that location. And said, finally, here I didn't sweat in blood. My blood fell on the floor. So that in that ground, O Kadaskaba, it went and ramified from Eden up to the day of Christ. Bible says in Matthew 27, so that the graves were open. There was an earthquake. It entered even through the earth, traveled to the temple. And Bible said it rent the temple curtain from top to bottom. That temple curtain is four cubits. That's about 6.5 feet thick. That's the thickness of the cloth. It means it is cloth that has grown uh, six feet. The Bible says God tore it from the top to the down. It took about 60 men to push it. That's why he tore it from the top. So nobody says they use scissors. Because of the blood. To create a new and a living way. Oh, no wonder the Bible says after that that he has given us boldness to enter the holiest of all. Verse 20. And by a new and a living way which he consecrated for us in his flesh. Verse 20 of Hebrews chapter 10. He consecrated it in our flesh. Child of God. Too many things to say about the blood. But today, I want you to understand that what Jesus did for you is not a joke. The blood is a serious price. But of course, in Leviticus chapter 1, from 10 down to 12, the blood is in varied degrees of revelation. The Bible says, He that is rich and a king and a priest shall offer a bullock. So the middle income shall offer a sheep or a lamb. And the poor shall offer turtle doves. Turtle doves were free. Those were actually the doves Jesus came to the temple and they were selling. You don't sell those doves. They are left in the temple. So in case you come to church without offering, you can pick the turtle dove and use it as your offering. They were free because they were for the poor. If you have nothing to give. And the reason for this was that the differences in the offerings spoke of your revelation in what the blood has done for you. So if you bring a bull, of course it's a type. But if you bring a bull, the bullock offering typifies that you understand what the blood has purchased for you. You know there are some people, they believe Jesus died for us. But they don't believe that because he has died for us, we are free to live. So they know Jesus has died for us, but life, life is up and down. As for life, life is hard. You can't predict life. That's not bullock. That's actually, sorry, turtle dove. Because turtle dove, if you check all of them, eh, why am I saying what I'm saying? The reason for the sizes of the creatures was because of the content of the blood. The bull's blood was more than the sheep's blood. 
And the sheep's blood is more than the bird's blood. In fact, if you read the story in Leviticus 1, no, not 5, Leviticus 1. From Leviticus 1, from 12, 13, 14. When you read from Leviticus 1, 12, 13, 14, you will see, aha, good. For when you read from it downwards, it talks about how that when you take the blood, you must pour it around the altar. You pour the blood around the altar. When it's bull, bull offering, Bible says you pour it around the altar, all through the altar. After pouring it on the mercy seat, you pour it round about the altar, you, and you soak the horns, the four horns of the altar with the blood also. When it's sheep also, you pour it at the east and west side. But when it comes to the turtle dove, because the blood is small, you only pour it at the southward of the altar. It's not enough blood to pour around. So you pour it at one small point. So these are the people, they know Jesus died in theory. They know Jesus died in a certain principle. But they, they don't know that, that that salvation has procured your liberty. It's like Jesus did something for them by some paper. It's not something that we are experiencing now. That's turtle dove. And there are many Christians who are at turtle dove level. In fact, if you even check how they kill the animals, the turtle dove, Bible says you pluck the feathers and bring the neck. You don't cut it. But when it comes to the bull and the sheep, when you enter the temple, the, the priest gives you the sword and you kill the animal yourself. Why? When it comes to the turtle dove, he said the priest is the one who plucks the dirty feathers and wrings the neck. He's the priest and he shall ring. He shall bring the bell. So when you, give, when you come, you bring your turtle dove to the priest. He kills it for you. These are people, they know Jesus died, but it is not personal to them. In fact, these are the people who were once in the time of the early church, Pope Ubain. Pope Ubain said they are going for the crusade in Israel to kill the Jews who killed Jesus. Yeah. Turtle dove. Today, I don't, I don't blackmail any church. Today, many people carry a cross. And they are wearing tons on their head. And it's a whole service. It's not a play. It's not a play. They call it Passover service. And you see, the person has to wear tons on his head, carry a cross again, and somebody's mimicking, beating the person. And he's going back to the cross. I'm comporting myself. Hallelujah. So we think the death of Jesus is a movie. It's a story to be reenacted. He didn't rise today. He rose 2,023 years ago. So it's not only Easter you say he's risen. He's risen every day. He's risen every day. There are some patterns you'll never catch me do. He, he rose up a long time ago. It's not his style I used to say it. Every time I'll say it. Please listen to what I'm saying. I'm, ah. So that the dove is small blood. And you are the one who killed it. But you see, when it's the bull, the, the Bible says when you enter the temple, the priest will give you a knife. And you will put the knife to the neck of the bull yourself. The one who brought the offering will kill the offering himself. You know why? You must participate in the revelation that it is your sons that killed him, not the Romans. Turtle Dove says it's the Romans who killed Jesus. But the revelation of the bull is my son that put him on the cross. So it's personal to me. It's because of me he died. The things I do and the things I did is why he hung. That is bull revelation. So it tells that everybody has a level of revelation. That's why everybody has a different experience with God. So somebody can die of a certain sickness. It does not mean you will die of it. What is your revelation of the quantity of blood you have poured around the altar? Don't say, hey, even pastors are dying. Are we safe? We are safe. Everybody and their revelation. And it is not the clerical you wear. 
That's why I told you yesterday that it is revelation that determines revolution. So the day you see that Jesus died for me. Jesus died for me. I like that woman who came to Ra Roberts after he had finished preaching. And the woman said, please heal my boy. He said, I can't. I'm tired. He said, I didn't ask you to use your faith. I have faith. Just pray. And Ra Roberts said, okay, in the name of Jesus, be healed. He said, as soon as they left, the next morning, they saw the boy running up and down. The crippled boy was walking. And he said, it was not my faith. The woman said, she has faith already. But the Bible said, when somebody is sick, bring him to the elders. So he just needs an elder's prayer. She will use her faith to balance it. And she will get a healing. Bullock revelation. That is a revelation when you are in trouble, you don't take your phone to call pastor. You deal with the matter. And when you are dealing with it and the Holy Ghost said, call pastor now, then you do. You don't call out of fear. You call out of revelation. And when we do that, many times when we call our pastors, we are celebrating the victories. Daddy, by the grace of God, the devil came last night. I held him by the neck. I put him in the ground and I finished him. He said, good boy. Go and do it another time. Bullock revelation. When you enter Bullock revelation, you don't need a prophet to show you the way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You don't have the prophet to lead you because they that are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. When you are having bullock revelation, prophets confirm what God is already telling you. We don't lead you as if we are the Holy Ghost. This generation is making God's work difficult. Every day they call him, man of God, what is God saying? If I prophesy to you in service, I'm done. You don't need, somebody call you after service, man of God, so after everything you said, what do we do? Do what I said. Why do you need, to, you see, you put prophets in, I had a prophetic meeting somewhere. I gave a prophetic word to a certain girl and his family. Now, they called me, his father, and said, this is, also, this is my name, this is my daughter, I prophesied to, the thing you said about my family is true, so I've gathered all my family in London and America, we are ready for you. Anything you want us to do, I said, this is what you do to prophets. And they begin to become soothsayers and merchandise. Do yeah, Anything you want us to do, and you've mentioned London and America. Zimikatakatakata. Yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> So today when you're prophesying, you're smiling, people don't take you seriously. Because they're like, hey, mm. the Lord opened my eyes. Mm. Have you noticed why we don't think? You want, the, you want the pastor who when he says, the spirit to support me. Then you're like, ah, the spirit has come. Ah, 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 amen, 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 amen. Why don't you be deceived? But what he has brought us into. Bullock revelation. We are conversing with pastor. As soon as he starts talking, the Holy Ghost whispers to you, he's prophesying. That's going to happen to you. I was talking to my father and the Lord one time, and some issue had happened. And as he was talking, the Holy Ghost said, you see what he just told you? He didn't tell you that as an example for fun. I have a principle in life. God told me, he says, nobody tells you an example or a story for fun. So every time I have conversations with people, I'm quiet. Because they are not saying it for fun. Sometimes God is using them to tell me very soon, a story like that will happen in your life. Listen to their wisdom. You are not hearing things for fun. You were programmed by God to succeed. Satan is also programming you to fail. So which programming will you sub submit to? You think you hear a story of somebody raising the dead and it's for fun? No. The moment something happened to you, you mean something's going on. You must pick that mantle. Press into it. Today, I just want you to do one thing. The bullock revelation. Let it follow me. Your life must be sweet, oh, a sweet offering to him. When you walk, there's a fragrance of Christ. Zule kataskopaya. Daddy, I was telling them recently in church, I said, the church has enjoyed righteousness. According to Romans chapter 5, verse 10, there's a righteousness salvation that came from his death. But we've not entered the righteousness of salvation from his life. See what he said. 
If we were enemies to God, he reconciled us to himself by his death. So this Christmas Easter thing we do is usually the revelation of what his death did. We have not yet meditated into now that we are sons, what his life is doing in us. So we are always doing remedy. You receive a healing, then you come back again, then you are sick. Because we are still at the place where we are still playing as God's enemies. But you are not his enemy, you are his friend. So there's a kind of life you must live. When you speak, there's so much virtue. When you converse, there's so much enlightenment. Even your hello can heal. Because life. There must be exudation of life. And it's a product of what you are thinking. As a man thinketh. As a man thinketh, as a man thinketh, as a man thinketh, I end with this and why this is important for you to see. And why Paul brought us to the revelation of seeing and knowing. Mommy, in the Hebrew, Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But the Hebrew word for create is the word bara. The Hebrew word for beginning or start is reshit. But in the writing, they didn't write barashit. That's wrong. It put ba, b, b, apostrophe, reshit. He didn't put bara or bere. He put be apostrophe. Bara is to create. Bere is in the head. That means that Genesis 1 was creation in God's head. That is why chapter 2, there was no tree. Neither there was, was there no man when he has already finished creating in his head. No wonder verse 2, 7 says, and the Lord God formed. It's the same Hebrew word that is used in Genesis 6. And the people imagined. Yatsa. Imagination is formation. That's why Satan will come for nothing. He won't come for your body. He won't come for your spirit. He's coming for your imagination. Casting down strongholds, semicolon, imaginations. So a witch cannot be powerful till you imagined her power. Because then why did they try to kill you at 30 and not 20? If Satan knew where Jesus was, did he have to wait two years for a magi to come and tell him where he was? Because he wanted to kill Jesus all along. So it means even Satan was not aware where Jesus was. Foreigners had to come and tell him. Then Herod now said, ah, is that so? Two years ago, so for two years, Satan was blind to the location of Christ. Yet I thought he met shepherds in the field. I tell you a truth today. You see, when you are with God and you are speaking, Satan does not hear. Why? If the blood can blind Balaam, so that I have not beheld iniquity, in Jacob. Yet he is speaking for himself and for God. Neither have I seen perverseness in all of Israel. God said, I'm also not seeing it. Is this Satan who can see your personal conversations with God beyond the blood? No wonder when he came in the garden, sir. He was already on a tree. And I'll show you. Oh, I was telling somebody something. I pray you get this one. One day I'll preach Genesis 3. You understand it. 
Apparently, God knew what that tree had. Because if you read the story, when Eve went to the tree, the Bible didn't say, and Satan came to the tree. The Bible said, when Eve was created, Genesis 3, 1, and the devil entered the garden, not the tree. But he came towards a certain tree that had a certain creature that was comfortable on it, called the serpent. So it was not when Eve got to the tree that one snake decided to come to the tree. The tree had the snake waiting for her. But Lucifer now entered the vessel. Oh, can I say it this way? Egypt might be good. But if God said, don't go now. Hagar is the vessel to create your Ishmael. So when God says, don't go down to Egypt now. Your desperation will make you choose something. That will fight your children in the years to come. It does not mean Egypt is bad. It means there's a technology waiting in Egypt. As soon as you come at the wrong time, it will be activated and it will follow you. So the issue was not that God would not have let Adam eat the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because when Satan said you will be like God, it means it was part of the protocol to be like God. But it was not yet time. Because there was something on the tree that when Satan enters, no wonder Satan knew that this is not a tree they should come to. Did you hear his question? Has God said? Meanwhile, when God was speaking to Adam, you would think the whole garden had it. Because the shocking thing is this. Some of you think, when God is talking, Adam! Did you hear what he said? In Luke 3, a voice came from the clouds. This is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Paul also said, when the voice said, Saul, Saul, Persecuted down me. He said, they that were with me saw the light and heard rumbling sound. So Satan can hear God talking to you, but this is how he hears it. Only you with the spirit of God were able to know the deep things of God. He can hear God is saying something, but he can't decode the exact word. He said, that's why, if, oh, read it. He said, they that with me saw the light, but they didn't hear what God said. All they heard, and it was Saul who heard, Saul, Saul. Why persecuted them? Even Jesus, the Bible says, when he said, that my, my beloved son, in whom I will please, he said, those who were around here heard the sounds. They didn't hear the content. Because the words was to the Lord. But they just heard, Today I tell you something. Stop thinking when God talks to you in your private. Satan has got notification. He heard the mumu, mumu, mumu. Then he heard angels moving swiftly to your house because of perhaps what God said. But the content, no eye has seen. No ear has heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man. The taste God, listen, the blood is a divine immunity. When you are covered with the blood, signals don't leave you. When they call your name in the shrine, the blood will appear. Not you because you are covered. Know that. And the next time you pray, don't say, I feel somebody is doing something against me. I, you have not pleaded the blood. But you sit in your room and say, wherever they call my name, because I plead the blood, let the blood show up. Let there be thunder and lightning in that shrine. If they put my name on the shrine, hey, yeah, 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 let that shrine catch fire. You plead the blood. Child of God, you plead the blood. This is the confidence you have in so when I'm walking and I'm talking to the Lord, oh, when we fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet or would walk by his side in the way as sweet. 
what he says we will do where he sends we will go never fear only trust and obey then in fellowship sweet we will sit at your feet and we'll walk by your side in the way what he says we will do where he sends we will go never fear only trust and obey he leadeth me he leadeth me for by, for by his hand he, he leadeth me his faithful father Listen, there's an intimacy we must have. And we'll understand what the blood Next time you sing that song, oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Say, come, let us reason. Though your sins are as red as scarlet. He said, come, let us reason. Can you imagine? God is inviting you, sit down. Let's reason. No matter what you have done, let's reason it out. Your sins can change. It can become white as snow. Stop looking at your past. That's why you are not doing much for God. You are beating yourself up. I don't think God will use me. I'm dirty. I've failed. I've disappointed God. No, no. Come back again. Come back again. The blood is powerful. It's efficacious. It's efficacious. He didn't ask us to pour a lot of it because it was not enough. He asked us to pour it because of our conscience. Do you know the blood does not cleanse your heart? Because the heart of man is desperately wicked. Who shall know it? It's a wrong application of statement that the blood of Jesus will cleanse your heart. It's not true. The Bible never says that. God gives you a new heart and a new spirit. According to Ezekiel 36, 26, he gives you a new heart. So it's not cleansed. The heart is too dirty. It's like using water to wash clay. It will not change its appearance. But what he does is, when he gives you a new heart, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 2, nevertheless, in the coming unto the worshippers would still have the conscience of sin. So the blood, according to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, Purges your conscience from dead works. So the blood rather cleanses your sins and purges your conscience. Your heart, God gives a new one. So today, I, I brought you news of liberty. No, no, no. I brought you news of liberty. This as prophetic as it can get. I brought you news of liberty. Walk in liberation. Walk in your deliverance that I've been purged. I've been washed. I've been made whole. Oh my God. You know something, sir? When you know you've bathed, you don't go and stand and dirty yourself. It's children who do that. 
when they bath, they still go into their mouth because they can't tell the difference. But when you mature, you know as soon as I've been washed, he said, ye are washed, ye are sanctified, even by the blood, we have been washed. So because I know I'm washed, I don't play certain games. I don't talk a certain way. I don't think a certain thought. I'm washed. I'm washed. I'm washed. I'm washed. I'm washed. It's a knowledge I have. Of Jesus. It washes. Why? I pray today the quantity of the blood you offer at the altar will be bull size. Just paid it all. I don't know. Do you know that song? Jesus paid it all. All to him I Oh my Lord. Wave your hands to Jesus. The greatest power of the universe is here. And you have access because of the blood. The greatest ability to recover what is dead. Resurrect what is dead and recover what is lost. It's because of the blood. It's because of the blood. It's because of the blood. I just want you to begin to meditate. Oh God. Listen, every area that you have not allowed the blood to flow to, just allow it. Lord, my children. Lord, my marriage. The blood. I plead the blood over my marriage. I plead the blood over my husband. I plead the blood over my wife. I plead the blood over my career. I plead the blood over my kids. Jesus paid it all. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He can you lift your right hand to him? And just say to the Lord, Lord, I accept the payment. I accept that you've paid. Say, come to me all that are heavy, laden, and burdened. I'll give you rest. Let's tell the Lord, Lord, I accept the payment. I accept it. I accept it has been paid for. Paid. Whatever area of your life you're struggling with, just speak right now to God. Lord, I accept it has been paid for. I don't need to struggle in this area again. Please, just speak right now. I told you, faith is voice activated. It's not knowing it in your head alone. Speak it out. Speak it out. Any area you're struggling with is perhaps you've not known it's been paid for. Perhaps you've not said it to consciousness that it's truly paid for. It's paid for. 
It's paid for. It's paid for. Your healing is paid for. That's why we come with boldness and we demand. We demand because there's a receipt for it. We, we cease to come begging as if it's never been done. It's been done. And we come with boldness knowing that he heareth us anytime we pray. It's paid for. It's paid for. It's paid for. Is it a sickness you are dealing with? It's paid for. Is it a surgery you are believing God for? It's paid for. Is it cancer that must vanish? It's paid for. It's paid for. It's paid for. Father, we give you glory. I sense the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Now, this anointing is an anointing of revelation. Is an anointing of settlement. Father, we give you glory, we give you praise, even now and forevermore. Amen. Praise God. Um, one of the most difficult things in this generation in ministering is hearing God's voice. Because we have programmed God for a meeting to go a certain way. So as soon as God even wants to end, I know. Let the prophet say something to me. What I've said, I've said. It's not how many times you fall down. It has been paid for. I said, what? Have you noticed there are some people, they never get prophecies, but they are going far in life. They never get prophecies, but they are buying cars. They are building houses. How come? It's not prophecy that makes you rich. It's knowledge. The revelation. Sometimes because of what power God wants to add to your manifestation. A prophetic word will come to push you into it. But beyond that, the revelation from the word is enough to secure. So stop saying to you, it's a long time they gave me a prophetic word. For what? You don't, things are going as God planned. What is a prophetic word you need again? Amen. The Lord is our help. In Jesus' name. Now, I'm going to tell you something very interesting about this communion briefly. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse, verse chapter 10, verse 13, he said that now um, God will never tempt a man beyond what he's able to bear. Now that word tempt here, if you notice it in the original text, um, uh, what do you call it? Text. It's not temptation that is desire or whatever. It's temptation that is actually defined as tribulation, difficulty, trial. And he said, God said, that thing you are going through that is difficult. It's common to every man. Not, you are not the first person to go through it. But not only so, he says that, but God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tried, to be pressed beyond what you can bear? Okay, that's why I use the word that beyond what you are able. But will with every temptation make a way of escape? With every, not some, every. Please, are we together? That he may be able to bear it. So, he has made a provision that with every temptation we can bear it. Now, please follow me because it's a very interesting stream. Verse 14. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Next, 15. Speak to the wise men judge ye what I say. I speak to wise men as to say, judge what. So, he's talking about judging the matter of the tribulation. Verse 16. 
What he's trying to tell you is this, that the way of escape from every trial, that is why Jesus took it before the cross. Acts 20, when Eutychus died, as soon as they resumed service, they took communion. Do you know in Acts chapter 27, the shipwreck before it occurred, an angel appeared. Bible said they ate their supper and Paul broke bread and gave thanks. So before their ship broke into pieces, they took communion. So communion is God's method to give you immunity against difficult situations in life. When times are getting tough, he said the communion will break. Find that scripture for me, Acts 27. So they were about to, the day God said, he said, listen, before, before Paul was beaten by a viper, they took communion. Before the ship broke into pieces, they took communion. Because the Bible says, it's only communion they break bread and give thanks. No other meal is taken like that. He said, that we give thanks. He said, thanks, thanks is broken. The communion which we bless. And the other translation said, the communion which we give thanks. Oh, Acts 27, me. So what you are come to take, this is the way of escape in many situations. Sometimes you're about to go into a very difficult situation. You're about to go for a court case. Take communion. Somebody took communion and there was a land issue she was dealing with. As soon as she took communion, the land issue was on. The land issue was on. Communion. See what he said. And when he had, uh, go back to 36, so you can see, I'm speaking in context. Uh, go, it's okay. He said, wherefore I pray you, take some meat, that's food, for your health. For there shall be an hour which shall follow, not shall hear that follow any man's, okay, any of you. Next, 37, 35. And when they had spoken, they took bread, gave thanks to God in the presence of all, and they began to break it and began to eat. Next, 8, 36. And they were all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. So also took some meat. This is different from the communion bread they broke. Are you understanding what I'm talking about? Verse 37. <laughs> and when they were all in the ship, to uh, 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 next, and they had eaten up, they lighted from the ship and cast the wheat into the sea. So the ship was, they were not on shore when they took communion. The ship was still moving a certain way. Look at what 39 says. Uh -huh, uh -huh. They discovered a certain creek possible to thrust into the ship. So they were still on ship. 40. I, now I want you to see the communion was not taken when the ship broke down. They were in the boat when the thing started moving a certain way. And Paul said, Listen, everybody relax. First of all, we are going to eat food. But before we eat food, we will give thanks to God and break bread. So they broke bread, ate, and that's it. God bless you for listening to this message. You can also enjoy our messages on Anchor, Spotify, Podcast Addict, and all other podcast platforms. Visit us at Dominion Chapel International, the special place near the XGI building, Shashi, Accra. Do remember to subscribe to this podcast to receive more life-impacting teachings by our seasoned ministers of the gospel every single week. You can also follow DCI, the special place, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Always remember that God loves you.